And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Talk 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 podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Blue Skies, alongside me, Dan Kiley. Dan Kiley, how's he, how are you doing this Tuesday evening? I am doing well. I'm excited. We are, we made it, guys. We made it. Everybody, take a deep breath. You made it through the dog days of summer. You made it to college football. Absolutely. Finally, it, it feels good to be back. It, it, it feels like... It's been years since we've had college football season. Uh, I don't know about you, Dan, but I did watch a little bit of Week Zero. I, I, I really wish they would give us a really good premier matchup because the most excited viewing that I think anybody had was USC's defense just not doing anything. Like, getting up 20 po- uh, 28 points to um, San Jose State in the season opener and already, you know, warranting questions of, are they going to fire their DC after this? So that was probably the most... Uh, Maybe entertaining viewing was that. Um, but, hey, we got a loaded show today. It's game week here in Georgia. Uh, Georgia's playing UT Martin, who, yeah, it's going to be a huge spread. I haven't checked the spread for this game, but it's going to be a pretty big spread. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if Georgia kind of brings the same enthusiasm and intensity that they always have in the last few years to the season opener, knowing that they're probably going to be the big favorite um, into this matchup. So I'm, I'm curious to see that. But, Dan, let's get right into it. Uh, I did add something last minute. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but the NCAA has been a little bit of a train wreck and not just because they're spending people retroactively like Mason Smith at LSU, but Dan, there are people that transferred this, uh, this past off season that have no earthly idea of whether or not they're gonna be able to play on Saturday. Devontae Walker transferred from Kent state. I believe he was one of the receivers for Kent State that had a really good game as a shorter. Transferred to UNC this fall and applied for a waiver for immediate eligibility. Hasn't gotten a word. The NCAA is slow walking these student athletes and their transfer eligibility because I, I don't know why. I can't tell you why. If you want the players to play, then let them play. If you're not going to let them play, don't let them play. Go ahead and give them that. But it's gone to the point where the dude's hiring a or. I believe there was a lawyer speaking out about it. No, it was a, it was a past Supreme Court justice state of North Carolina said that legal action is going to have to be taken because, dude, it's game week, week one, and guy doesn't know if he's going to play in you know a, a football game on Saturday. It's stupid. What are we doing? Well, you know, if you listen to to Chuck Oliver's college football show that he does in the middle of the day, um, yeah, you know, one of the things that he said, and, and I wholeheartedly agree with him, is. The one thing that NCAA still has power over is whether you can play or not. And that's pretty much it. And this is them flexing their muscles. And, you know, like he, I'll quote him to, he said, before I tell you the story of Mason Smith, let me tell you this. He's 100% guilty. He 100% deserves to be suspended. And he's 100% getting screwed. So, I mean, all three of those being true because, like yeah, so I, I am completely ripping this off from Chuck because he he had such a great point on this, and and I want to make sure I give him credit. But you know what he said was, you know they arbitrarily came up with a date of when you could start this NIL stuff. They were like, oh, when should we start? Should we start at this day? You know, this is the end of the calendar school year. This is the beginning of the next calendar school year. They're like, how about July first? They're like, hell yeah, let's do July first. Okay, and you just an arbitrary date, right? Doesn't mean anything. So. Mason Smith was an incoming freshman at the university or I'm sorry, LSU, Louisiana state university. And uh, I think it was Devin Bowie uh, was the guy and, and, or Keon Bowie or one of the guys anyway. So um, they were going to go sign some autographs. They're like, yeah, come on, let's go do this. We can put some money in your pocket. He said, are you sure we're allowed to do that? And they said, hell yeah, we can do this. It's okay. 
Well, this is like two or three days before the July 1st start date, right? So they're suspending him for a game for that, whatever. But if I'm not mistaken, didn't he play last year in every single game? So why would you have to wait an entire year to suspend the man? Why couldn't you have suspended him then? Now, listen, the first game is the first game. But, you know, it's an intentional screw job, like you said, Harrison, with the NCAA, because they want it to be a big game. And, you know, it just so happens that they're opening up with Florida State. And it just so happens that he's one of the best players in the country at his position. So, you know, that's going to impact LSU significantly. But, you know, did he break the rules? Yes. Um, uh, did he 100% for sure do it? Yes. And uh, is is he guilty? 100% yes. Uh, all of that. But is he getting screwed? Absolutely. I, I don't know. I to your, to your point, like, what the hell are we doing? Uh, you said WTF. That's as close as Harrison will ever come to cussing on this on the show. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know anything about that uh, Vontez Walker transfer situation. Um, it doesn't affect. Or just so I haven't really paid it a lot of attention. But you're right. Yeah. Um, but what, what's the deal with him? Is he a first year transfer, or is he trying to get like an extra year of eligibility? He is a first year. Tr- Transfer, I want to say, or he is a transfer. I want to say, let me, let me, let me go to his roster stats real quick. He's a junior heading in, or he's a rising junior going into his junior season. Played last year at Kent State, uh, and the year before at Kent State, I believe, uh, has transferred to UNC and has applied for a waiver for that one-time eligibility status, like one-time transfer eligibility status. Hasn't gotten a word. So, so right why now, is every why does every other player in the country automatically get it and he's got to apply for a waiver? I don't get it. I don't think it's it's not just him. There's other players, uh, most notably just him, or okay. most notably him. Uh, he is waiting on this. So I may it may I may be wrong. He may have transferred beforehand and he's had to apply for a waiver. But there are players throughout the country that have transferred this offseason do not know if they're going to be able to play in week one, which is ridiculous. Why are we not taking care of our business? You know, in the month long months long offseason that we have. You know, I, I don't know, buddy. Uh, it's, it's the NCAA, and um, you know, as we said time and time again, they have no backbone, they have no spine, they have no marbles, no huevos, uh, and they just do dumb shit. So, I like if you're looking for me to give you a real answer, I don't have one other than they're they just do dumb shit. Speaking of dumb stuff, Dan, let's talk about some season predictions. Uh, I, I am going to head and title this Dan's yearly Desmond Howard segment. Now, I got to give the man credit, and I know Dan will too. His predictions for this year's college football playoffs don't look half as bad as they were last year. Bro had Texas A&M in Pittsburgh in the playoffs last year. This year, he's upgraded. But, Dan, I, I, I kind of want your take because this has become a yearly segment. Everyone's giving their predictions this time of year. But what were your takeaways from maybe not only Desmond Howard, but anybody else like ESPN, anybody else that you've seen? Uh, Alabama's a really common topic around Georgia fans right now. What's your takeaway? You know, the one thing that I'll say about ESPN, and I'm not going to try to sound like a crybaby. If you want to play the clip, go ahead and play the clip, and then we can roll on it. Oh, I don't have a clip. I just have pictures uh, of the predictions. All right. So, you know, one of the things that, that aggravates me to no end is when Alabama had it humming, Alabama was a topic of the conversation, and they loved on Alabama. I mean, um, was it Jonathan or Jeremiah sent a, uh, a gift today? It was absolutely hilarious, a little video of uh, the media attention that Alabama's getting. If you know, you know. Um, but Alabama, you know, when they had it humming, they were the, top, the topic. Everybody loved on them, and, you know th- – <laughs> And I know this is going to sound like a crybaby thing, but like 
there there's something about Atlanta slash Georgia teams that just doesn't set well with national media and they don't typically get to now I will tell you this year the Braves are getting more love than I've ever seen the Braves ever get you know in their run of 14 years every year they would pick some other team to win the division and the Braves just won it all 14 years but this particular Braves team is getting they are getting love, 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 love. I mean, zero complaints from the national media on this Braves team, except for, like, the national awards. They want to give every award to the Dodgers, um, which is absolutely horseshit. Uh, like, somehow Mookie Betts is now better than Acuna Jr., and, uh, and, and Matt Olsen has completely disappeared from this is turning into a Braves rant. Holy hell. Um, anyway, but the Georgia Bulldogs, you know, do they get some love? Yeah, they get a little bit of love, but every year – ESPN and all these other outlets, they pick somebody else to win, right? They, no, nobody across the board. And now it's the Alabama Love Fest coming back, you know. And, and I do believe, I do believe that Alabama's going to be a hell of a football team this year. And we'll talk about that more later. I do believe that. But I mean, Desmond Howard has got to be the worst prognosticator in the history of prognostication. I think he got hit way too hard multiple times. Because he says some of the most absurd stuff. I'm talking about, you're going to let David Pollock go from ESPN and keep him around? And that has nothing to do with one being from Michigan and one being from Georgia. I mean, listen, there are plenty of guys that are terrible um, on TV or radio that went to University of Georgia, and I would tell them that. But Desmond Howard is an absolute disgrace. He is awful. Maria Taylor is a far better talent. And I know I'm cherry-picking uh, Georgia people, but... You know, there are a lot of guys on that network that do a really good job. Des is not one of them, um, you know, but, like, at least he has four legitimate teams. I mean, you can make an argument that Florida State could get back there. I'm not going to laugh and, and joke about that. But um, it's just, to me, it's the ESPN thing. It's just, I, I don't know if it's Georgia fatigue or whatever the case is, but, you know, one of the things that Harrison uh, talked about in, in our little group chat was that, you're going to ding Georgia because you don't know you have an unknown um, unknown quantity at quarterback, but then you're going to pick Alabama to win it when they have an unknown quantity at quarterback. I mean, you can make an argument that uh, we know more about Carson Beck than we do about the quarterbacks at Alabama. I know uh, Jalen is a Jalen Milrow, um, but yeah, is a Jalen Milrow. Uh, you're correct. Yeah, I know that he has started a couple games there, at least one. I think it was two, but it could have been at least one. And then Ty Simpson is the guy that's supposed to be good. But listen, when you have a true freshman um, named Dylan Longren who only went to Alabama because they were going to let him play baseball, uh, I mean, listen, he's a good football player. Don't I mean, I'm not I'm not discounting that. I mean, he's a hell of a football player. He's quarterback at Alabama. I'm not not taking that away. But like when that guy is actually getting conversations, and this is on the Chuck Oliver show with the guy who covers Alabama. And he said that there is real smoke around Dylan Longer and that there's a chance by week three or four that he's playing. Whoa. And that says a lot to me. I mean, that speaks volumes to me. So, um, yeah, my rant basically this week is because uh, Harrison requested it was that I I just think Desmond Howard says dumb shit and they just put him on there. Um, like, listen, I, I respect Kirk Herbstreit. Not, not, listen, I may not always agree with Kirk, but Kirk has intelligence behind his his picks now he he might be right he might be wrong but i don't ever think that you know he just says shit uh it, to get attention um and then what's his face the the um the punter um mcafee mcafee i i like mcafee i like his style uh, i think we have a lot of things in common um you know we're we kind of fly off the handle a lot um 
And yeah, yeah, I know he does some things for attention, but he's not terrible. Um, but it's just it's Desmond. He just he just he just does like like you said this year not as bad. Um, but ESPN as a whole, it's just that they just dismiss Georgia so quickly, and 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 the things that they're using to d- dismiss Georgia that they'll conveniently overlook with these other teams, and it just. I don't know. Maybe, you know, everybody says stop watching ESPN. Maybe I'll have to do that one day. You know, it's very, what what I've seen over the years, it's the the first take, the undisputeds of the world, the, you know, high fly over the top, really dramatic takes, really dramatic arguments, yelling, screaming has gotten into our regular sports, like actual like talk shows of like intelligent people giving intelligent takes, giving factual based takes. Now we're just going back to this whole world of where we're watching uh, Richard Sherman, Keyshawn Johnson, Skip Bayless, Michael Urban just yell at each other for an hour. That's that's kind of what it is. And, and we're going for clicks instead of giving like actual analysis. The, the actual analysis that we can get now is not coming from ESPN or Fox. You're having to get it off YouTube. You're getting it from podcasts. Like people that aren't mainstream is what I've seen um, from the media industry over recent years. That's that's just what it is. I don't know if Desmond actually believes in some of these takes that he does have because it does seem like he's playing the Stephen A. Smith role of I'm an analyst uh, by giving the hot takes and the clickbait takes uh, that everybody likes to you know click on and, and, and hate read or hate watch. I, I don't know if that's really his you know his his deal or if that's what he's being paid to do. So I'm gonna start yelling at Jonathan like they do on those shows. Hey. Feel free, buddy. Feel free. Um, I will have to turn down the volume going yeah. forward instead of having to turn you up. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I don't know, Dad. I just thought it was interesting because last year his playoff prediction included, I want to say it was AM and Pittsburgh, and I think he had Michigan too. I, I don't know why, but I keep wanting to say Purdue. I don't know why. Maybe he had Purdue. I don't remember exactly who that fourth team like was. Utah? Didn't he have Utah on there too or something? I don't know. I need to go find it because I'm curious. It now doesn't too. matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. But I, I do know this. I don't think any of them other than maybe Michigan made it. So uh, if Desmond Howard wants to leave Georgia out of the playoff, go ahead, buddy, because you were wrong last year and you may be wrong this year. With that being said, Dan, it is time for our predictions. We're we're not going to come here and criticize folks for their predictions. We're, you know, without giving ours, we'll, we'll give our own. And based off last year, uh, I think we were both pretty successful. I had a huge miss uh, on, on one part, and we'll get to that in here in a little bit. Dan, where do we want to start? Do we want to start the East? We want to start go to the, the West. West. Let's go you to, the, go to West. the West. I will let you right. go first. What do you want to say about the West? All right. So for me in the West, I have uh, Mississippi State coming in dead last uh, for obvious reasons. They just haven't been able to recruit well, sustain uh, success. I have Arkansas coming in just ahead of them. Uh, I'm a big fan of, Steve, uh, of Pittman. Um, I, I wish them all luck in the world. I just, you know, they, they just play a very difficult schedule. They're just happen to be in a really, really good conference. And uh, it is just very difficult for them. Uh, coming in fifth out there in the West, I have A&M. Um, I, they're probably going to up and beat somebody they shouldn't. And then they're going to lose multiple games to teams that they shouldn't. I just don't have any faith in Jimbo Fisher. Uh, I'm hoping that this year is bad enough that he'll be out of there because it's actually a, a good program. And, you know, and I have, uh, some of my wife's family uh, are AM people and and they're good people and uh, everybody I've ever met this an AM fan is a good person. I've never met like an overly obnoxious just asshole AM fan. So I, I don't wish ill on the program just Jimbo. I just can't stand him. Uh everybody knows that well documented. Um I have actually Auburn finishing ahead of them in fourth place and I I'm I'm 
I'm giving Hugh Freeze the benefit of the doubt. Now, I know he's been uh, away from major competition for the last couple of years, um, coaching at lower levels, whatever. But a lot of times when that happens, and you can go one of two ways, but for me, um, a lot of times you gain perspective and you learn how to do things. Like I've always felt like, and it, and it doesn't always translate for sure, but when you have a program where you're not as, you don't have the same weapons, tools, accessibility that you do at a program like Auburn, you learn little tricks, you learn ways to, to scheme around things. And, and I think it can, if you do it the right, right way, make you a better coach. And I, and Hugh Freeze has got a history uh, of being a good coach. Now, granted, he had to cheat to do it. Um, but listen, he's, he is a talented coach and I'm not going to take that away from him. I'm not going to take too many shots. Uh, I have, uh, this is my risky one. I have Ole Miss at third. Um, I just, I like Ole Miss because I like Lane Kiffin. I think Jackson Dart's a good quarterback. Uh, I know that that offense is going to score. The one thing that we don't know, and this is the one thing that we always say about Lane Kiffin coach teams from ever, ever, amen. And which is the biggest irony in the world because his dad is our, arguably one of the greatest defensive minds in pro football history. And yet he can't figure out the defensive side. So anyway, I have Ole Miss coming in at third. Um, I have LSU coming in second, and this one's tough. Uh, I think LSU is a really good team, and I, I think they have all the talent in the world. And the only reason I have them finishing second is because I have Alabama winning the West. Um, Alabama, you know, you know, they have taken a step back uh, from where they were the last couple seasons. But when you're when you are so good that winning a national anything less than winning a national championship is an embarrassment or uh extremely disappointing to a fan base like that's where i want to be in life is that like national championships are expected and we're kind of teetering on that here over at the university of georgia right now but um i do believe that alabama is recruited extremely well i do believe they have a lot of talent on that football team i know that they have a major question mark at the quarterback position but they have so much talent around that they may be able to perform um and and be able to execute around him well enough to where that guy doesn't have to be special i mean we know for for a fact here georgia in the past and i'm not taking a shot at Sesson bennett i'm just saying in the past at the university of georgia we've had quarterbacks who were not superstars but yet we were successful so it's it's unfair for me to say that georgia can do that and then to say that alabama couldn't do that so that's why I have Alabama winning the West is because I think that they're extremely talented, extremely well coached. And I think they're going to perform just well enough around uh, whoever the quarterback is at the beginning of the season um, to get him through uh, towards the end of the season. So I have Alabama winning the West. You know, and speaking of Alabama, the, the trend seems like or the word seems like they're going back to a non-quarterback centric offense. What they ran with Greg McElroy, with A.J. McCarron, you know, offenses where they don't need to lean on their quarterback to win games because that's what they've been doing for at least the last two seasons where it's Bryce Young, you're having to rely on Bryce Young to go win you a football game because, you know, nobody else is doing their job or people aren't executing. You have 15 penalties on defense, you know, just stuff here and there about, um, you know, just having to be able to win football games with Bryce Young only. And I think we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, to start off, uh, for me in the West, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with Dan. I think Mississippi State's going to come in last, uh, and I hate it for him because I'm I'm cheering for him uh, after Mike Leach died. I, I hope they do well. I want them to do well because that's such a tough situation to deal with, having to play, um, you know, coming after losing your coach uh, forever. So I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for him there. Next, I got Arkansas, and I know this is maybe 
I hate it for Sam Pittman because I like Sam Pittman. I love Sam Pittman, but I just they got a tough schedule. Year in and year out, they have a tough schedule. And so far, they've done really, really well dealing with that schedule uh, and pulling the upsets against, you know, Texas uh, winning games against Auburn. I just I, I think the West is much better this year than it has been the last two years. I think it's a little bit deeper now than it was. So I got Arkansas at six, five. I got Auburn. Um, I'm kind of here with Dan on this one. Maybe I'm, I'm, I think I'm a tad bit down on Auburn, uh, but for similar reasons that I think Dan has at four is I just think Q Freeze is finally probably the coach that can get things done at Auburn. Maybe not to the level of, of what Alabama or Auburn fans expect of national championships, but you know he's a really good offensive coach. He's proven that. He's proven he can match up against the Saban smart defenses uh, and even pull an upset from time to time. I'm not saying that he's going to pull an upset uh, at home against Georgia or at you know at home against Auburn uh, against Alabama in the Iron Bowl. But when you look at their schedule, they do have some of their biggest opponents at home. Uh, and, and if he can get that offense kind of rolling and get that offense humming, even though he doesn't really have the talent to pull upsets. Maybe he can pull something off. I think if I'm going to put on anybody on upset alert heading into Jordan Hare, then I'm, I'm going to go with Ole Miss. I think that's the, probably the most winnable game at home where they, quote-unquote, can pull an upset uh, is against Ole Miss. Now, that is the team exactly I have right above them uh, is is Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss. I think it's going to be a f- – you know, they're going to be a fun team to watch. They're always a fun team to watch. If you want to go watch an exciting football game, go watch Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin knows what he's doing. Go watch, even go watch his post game press. You'll have a fun time. Uh, I, I don't know who quarterback's going to be, Dan, uh, here at Ole Miss. They brought in Spencer Sanders, the transfer from Oklahoma State. I, I, I don't know what they're going to do there. My gut probably says Jackson Dart. I never really got, never really understood why they brought in Spencer Sanders, uh, especially if you're not going to start him at quarterback. So maybe, hey, maybe you're going to bring in Spencer Sanders and you're going to start him. I don't know. But I just thought Jackson Dart did enough to win them games last year. Did enough, almost had them beat Alabama. Why would you go away from that? Especially when he's the thing he's a freshman. Um, maybe maybe a redshirt freshman. I don't know. You got Ole Miss a three. Then all right, at four, excuse me. Then to round out my top three, Dan. You're not gonna like this. I got Texas A and M three. I'm not saying they're winning the West. I'm not saying they're competing for the West. I don't think they're competing for the West. I think there's gonna be a, a gap between three, two, and one. Uh, a gap between three and the top two. I got AM at three, and it's all going to come down to whether or not this Bobby Petrino thing works. If the Bobby Petrino experiment works, this is a eight to nine win, maybe 10 win football team at Texas A&M because they have the talent to, to be good on offense. They announced Connor Wegman as their starting quarterback, and they bring back pretty much an underrated group of receivers. Evan Stewart is considered one of the top 100 players in college football, according to 247 Sports. Bring back Moose Muhammad. You bring back Anaya Smith. Those are some talented playmakers. Can they get the offense around them to play better and play up to the standard? Then at number two, Dan, here's here's my here's my shocker. Here's the difference. I got Alabama at two. And like you said, they're, they're kind of going away from the quarterback-centric offense, which I think is good for them long-term uh, because you can start relying on the rest of your roster, uh, start playing a little bit more complementary football in the sense of uh, your offense is kind of helping out your defense, your defense is helping out your offense. I'm just not sold. You don't have a starter at quarterback right now. There, there isn't a firm one. There isn't a clear number one choice, at least publicly. Uh, and, and Dan, what you said about you know an Alabama guy covers Alabama saying Dylan Lonergan, a true freshman, may be starting by week three. That's pretty concerning for me when you have three other quarterbacks who the youngest out of all of them I believe is Ty Simpson, who's I want to say a sophomore. That's pretty concerning. 
Very, very concerning. That means you brought in the guy, Tyler Buckner, from Notre Dame, and he's not he's not playing like you thought he is, or none of the other two are playing like you thought he was. That's concerning for me. I'm not sold on their receiving core ever since they lost their two best receivers. Uh, they haven't been very good at receiver, even though they took Jermaine Burden. They, they haven't been great, uh, and they haven't played like they used to. Defensively, offensively, I mean, when was the last time other than this year that Alabama had 15 penalties in the game under Nick Saban? I can't tell you, so I don't know. Uh, and number one for me is LSU. Bring back Jaden Daniels. Bring back Malik Neighbors, who I think is probably going to garner some first-round attention in the NFL draft this year if he has a, a big year as everybody's expecting. You bring back a young offensive line. I believe they returned at least four out of the five offense, uh, offensive line starters. And you bring back Harold Perkins, arguably one of the best defensive players in all of college football. Big question, what, what's going to prevent them from winning the West again? It's their depth. Can they compete with Alabama, depth-wise? They can recruit on a similar level to Alabama, but they haven't done it recently. Haven't really developed talent like Alabama has over the last few years. That's, that's Brian Kelly's biggest question. Dan, let's transition to the East. What 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 we got going on? I'm gonna let you start with the East. Where what do you see the East going? All right, so we'll do it the same way. I have Vanderbilt bringing up the rear, and you know it's, it's unfortunate. Listen, the Vanderbilt's in this conference for baseball and for the GPA. Um, every once in a while they'll, they'll pop and they'll have a decent football season, but it is what it is. I, I, I don't really need to defend that. Uh, I have Missouri coming in at six. Uh, I, I do like their coaching staff. I, I do think that they, you know, they've gone out and got a five-star, uh, in pretty, in like what the last two or three classes. Um, I, I it's not Burton. Is it Burden? What's their, the wide receiver's name? Help me out here. Is it Burden? Burden? Yeah. Burden is an absolute playmaker, a stud. Um, he would start at Georgia day one. I mean, I, like, you know, I, I, no bones about it. That kid is an absolute beast, arguably the best receiver in the SEC this year, um, in my opinion. I mean, I, listen, there's some good wide receivers. Maybe that's a stretch. But uh, he's he's definitely top five receivers in, in the SEC. I'll put it that way. And um, and he would definitely play Georgia. So they, they do have a couple playmakers. Um, they have the ability to win some games. I'm not going to bury him at six because I have Kentucky at five. And I am not super confident in Kentucky. Listen, they went out and got uh, a quarterback, and I know Harrison wanted to touch on that, Devin Leary, um, and he does replace Will Levis. Uh, Harrison and I share an opinion that Levis not that great. I mean, like good, but not 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 what everybody said he was. And I, I think there is a chance um, that Leary is actually a better quarterback. Now, however, I just don't know if he has the weapons in the offensive line to protect him. Um, and I hope I didn't steal all your stuff on that one, Harrison, because I think we were of the same, same Dude, mindset good. there. Um, so I, I have Kentucky just ahead of Missouri. But listen, Missouri can make some plays. And, and uh, uh, Van Horn, the kid from Collins Hill, has, I believe is starting quarterback from Missouri. I think he was named the starting quarterback this week. So uh, good luck to him. And I and I really hope he does well um, because you know, he's got a hell of a receiver to throw to. So I have – uh, Florida coming in in f at number four. Um, so uh, a little bit of a different take than um, Harrison. Um, Anthony Richardson is gone, right? Super talented guy, big guy. And they replaced him with Graham, uh, Graham Mertz from Wisconsin. Now, listen, there is no world which you can say that Graham Mertz is more talented than Anthony Richardson. And that's the main reason Anthony Richardson got drafted because he's extremely traitsy and he's just got a lot of talent, just pure talent. Okay. But sometimes in a system, like if you looked at what um, 
Napier did at Louisiana um, or uh, Louisiana Tech, wherever the hell he was from, it doesn't matter. Um, what he did there, it's it's kind of like a system, right? Like a system offense. Well, if you have a quarterback, maybe not as talented, but he's more into the playbook and more willing to do exactly what you want, there is a chance that that offense could be more successful, more productive even though the quarterback that you have is limited. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I know every, I know the popular thing to do right now is to crap on Florida, okay? And I love crapping on Florida. It's a fun pastime. But what I'm telling you is there is a chance that they're absolutely not trash. Uh, I'm not going to say they're going to win the East, but I'm just saying there's a chance that Burtz goes in there, solidifies that offense, calms it down a little bit, doesn't take as many chances, and helps it be productive. So I have Florida at four. I said way too much time on Florida. Uh, I have South Carolina at three. It's the Spencer Rattler show. Uh, you can make an argument that maybe Florida finishes three uh, and South Carolina finishes four. Uh, Spencer Rattler is a really good quarterback. Yo, am I the biggest fan of him? No. Do I think that there's a, a potential that he's got an attitude? Maybe. Um, but listen, he's super talented. The biggest question to South Carolina is does he have enough around him uh, to, to make that leap? and make uh, a lot of progress in the East. Now, listen, I have Tennessee at number two. Um, it's a lazy pick. I understand that. They lost a lot of talent. And what Texas, Tennessee has to be able to do is to prove that they can win with the next set of players. That's what the good programs do is even though it really hurts to lose um, great players, good programs can replace them with whatever they have in the pipeline and continue to be successful. That's what we don't know about Tennessee yet. And we don't know um, if, if the coaching staff can win with this next group of players. We're going to find out. They get Georgia at home. They have one hell of a home field advantage. I think that gives them a really good chance to upset Georgia. Do I think it happens? Personally, no, I don't. But could it happen? 100%. And it's not a leap to say it happens. I mean, I don't, that wouldn't be a massive upset if that happens. I think a lot of people would say that they would expect that, right? So um, that it's basically a one-game season for Georgia, and it's a basically a one-game season for uh, um, Tennessee. And, well, not really. Tennessee's got a lot of good games. That's, that's a horrible take, Dan. Um, anyway, I have Georgia winning the East. And at the end of the day, I just think that they've recruited too well for too long. And I think they have a great coaching staff that motivates them every single week and gets them ready to play. It's been quite a while. Uh, maybe you could make an argument in the Missouri game on the road last year. Uh, Georgia didn't play up to their potential. However, in the years past, when we watched Georgia play, there was always a handful of games where Georgia just looked like shit, even though they may win, but they just looked terrible. Kirby and his staff, you have to give them a lot of credit. That's one of the things they've eliminated. The Georgia doesn't typically have those just crap weeks. But I have Georgia winning the East, and I think Carson Beck is going to have a really successful year, and uh, they just have too much talent, and that's just my opinion. Dan, I got to ask a question. One question. Yeah. Duh, what do you – and we'll get – Do you want, actually, I'll save it for later. We'll save it for later because we're doing season – we'll get into that in a minute. Um, you better take a note so you don't forget it. Oh, I won't. I won't. It's a Georgia related question. I'll, I'll ask you it later for season predictions. All right. Kick it off. I'm with Dan here. I think me and Dan here are aligned for, I think, bottom two. Yeah. Vanderbilt, Missouri. Uh, that's where I see it. I'm sorry, Clark, uh, Clark Lee. I, I think you're a hell, hell of a speaker. You, you can talk your, your butt off. Probably I'll talk Dan and I. Um, maybe even use some words that Dan and I don't know. 
Uh, I give you credit for that. But yeah, your football team's finishing last. Missouri, I don't really have much to add. Uh, credit to them. Credit to Eli Drinkwicks for landing, you know, two five-star recruits. Got Burden this year. Williams Nawari. Uh, this coming recruiting cycle is coming in in December. Landed him. Stole him from Georgia and Oklahoma. Shouts out to him. He's recruiting his butt off uh, and winning some some recruitments there. I got Florida, Dan. I got Florida at five. And I know we're kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. And it's not really far. It's not like you're saying Florida's going to win the East. It's not even like you're saying Florida's competing for the East. It's just, I think Florida's a, a bad football team. I, I really do. And it's really not Napier's fault. I don't think Billy Napier should be fired or it really had his have his job security impacted by this year. Now, if he doesn't win a single game, then obviously, yeah, something's wrong. But, I mean, it's just he inherited a really messed up program from Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen used all the talent that they had and give him credit, he did develop those guys. Like, he got those guys in the NFL draft, but they weren't really his players. They were, you know, Will Muschamp's, Jim McElwain. Dan, Dan Mullen didn't replenish the crops. He ate all the crops, and then he left. Then he dashed after, you know, the well went dry, and Billy Napier's in here trying to pour water down the well to, to fill it back up, and it's I think it's more half-glass empty than it is half, you know, glass half-full. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not a big believer in Graham Mertz. I get what Dan's saying. I think he will bring a sense of conservatism, sense of, uh, experience to the offense that they kind of lacked in Anthony Richardson. I think he's going to throw a much casual football than Anthony Richardson. Uh, but here's my thing, Dan. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm surprised, you, I'm surprised not many people are talking about it outside of Florida fans is their run game. This is another team that is relying on a non-quarterback-centered offense. They're going to be a running football team. Trevor Etienne, the youngest brother of Travis, and Montreal Johnson, potentially 2,000-yard rushers if their offensive line uh, can can help them a little bit. That that That's going to be this, the center of their offense. Is they're going to run the ball, and they're going to try and limit possessions. Uh, that's, that's what I see that football team doing. Now, do I think they can do it better than a team like Kentucky who's been doing it for the last three or four years? No. And that's why I have Kentucky over them at the number four spot. Kind of like Dan said, Devin Leary, I'm with Dan on this. I think Devin Leary is probably going to be a better quarterback than Will Levis was in college. I don't think that's a hot take. I don't think uh, Will Levis was as good of a quarterback as these pro scouts and you know drafts, draft analysts want to say he was. I think Kentucky is going to be a better football team. But like Dan said, I don't know necessarily if they have the talent to really compete for the East this year, which is why I have South Carolina above them. And I really don't have much to add to what Dan said. I really don't. Um, and I think he covered all the bases, which is actually, you know, what I expected is, you know, it's going to be Spencer Rattler's show. Spencer Rattler's as good as a quarterback as everybody said he was going to be coming in to college, then he's going to produce. Now, he's not going to win the East this year. I don't think South Carolina is going to compete for the East necessarily. I think this is an eight-win, nine-win football team. Uh, and it's because I don't think they have the trench play to, you know, even beat teams like Kentucky and Florida consistently. That's something they're building towards. I think they do beat Kentucky this year. I think they probably beat Florida again this year, but I don't see them beating Tennessee. Um, I think they're going to struggle there. I, I, I just I don't see them beating Tennessee again. It's in Neyland. It's a tough place to play. But hey, if Rattler and Antoine Juice-Wells, who's garnering some, some serious draft attention already, then they have a shot. They have a shot at beating Tennessee again. And at number two, no surprise, I'm with Dan. Tennessee you lose Hooker, you lose Hyatt, you lose Tillman. You gotta have. You're gonna have a great home crowd, great atmosphere for that Tennessee Georgia game. It's gonna be like the one 
they had for Alabama last year. I don't doubt that one second, uh, but I don't think they can play complementary football. I, I, until something changes, I don't think you can play as I, – I don't even know what to say. I mean, their defense is on the field for so long in each and every game. It's just nothing – even if you have depth, and maybe depth's the one thing they need to maybe overcome this issue of, you know, all offense runs a million miles per hour per second, but our defense is on for, you know, half the game, over half the game. Maybe depth solves that issue. Maybe being able to sub people out like Georgia can and get players in solves that issue, but I just don't think it does. And they definitely don't have the depth this year. You lose Hendon Hooker, who completed Dan – Completed damn near 70% of his passes, 69.6%. And they have a traitsy guy at quarterback in Joe Milton. That is, he is kind of like Anthony Richardson, big arm. He's going to test well, and everybody's going to be loving on him from a draft owner's perspective. But, Dan, here's my biggest question with Joe Milton, and this is the reason I think Tennessee takes a step back this year, is you look at Joe Milton's numbers. Joe Milton was a sub-60 completion percentage quarterback. In uh, just just two years ago, when he played for Tennessee in 2021, completed 51.6% of his passes. He's almost sub 50%. You have to be precise in this Tennessee offense. You have to hit your layups. You have to hit your deep balls. You know, you, you can't miss. You, you can't complete barely 50% of your passes. I, I don't think Joe Milton is going to be able to continue the success that Hendon Hooker did. And that's why I see them probably losing two games this year to Georgia and Alabama. I think Alabama does rebound this year, uh, especially with them and Bryant-Denny. Uh, yeah, so that's that's my deal. And like Dan said, hard to believe that Georgia is going to lose the East. I don't see a team that can do it just yet because if, if Georgia is going to lose the East, there better be somebody that can beat that team in the East. If nobody in the East can beat that football team, Georgia's not losing the East unless somehow you lose the two teams in the West. That's that's the only way uh, that Georgia, in my opinion, can lose the East this year. Dan, let's get into season predictions, and I'm going to go ahead and start it off with a question I wanted to ask you. I think we've talked about this. Um, is Carson Beck? Is your? We talked about Georgia. We talked about Cecil Bennett. Is this? Is Carson Beck going to be a Heisman contender? In your opinion, I, what are your thoughts? And I, it, it's 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 a hard question because we know. Georgia's schedule isn't that hard. Like, he might not play a lot of fourth-quarter games, but what is your take? I don't – all right, let me preface this by saying I think he is talented enough, and I think he has the weapons to to put up the numbers. Uh, I think there are two major uh, disadvantages to him being a Heisman Trophy contender is, one, um, that's not how the dogs play. Um, The dogs are not built that way. They don't go out to embarrass people. They don't go out to, and listen, I know there are instances where Georgia puts up a lot of yards and a lot of points on people. It does happen from time to time. However, you have a guy out in California at USC, and all they care about is making sure that guy is the face of the Heisman Trophy competition. And, you know, they're going to give it to him again, whatever. But I, I just don't, I don't see a scenario in which. Kirby Smart and that coaching staff allow him to go out and do what's necessary to win the Heisman Trophy. Um, I don't think that him being in that position would be the best situation for Georgia um, because they do play complementary football. They do take their foot off the gas sometimes, slow it down, 
use the clock, make sure that they're preserving their defense, you know, good field position, all those things. I mean, to win the Heisman Trophy at the quarterback, you got to put up massive numbers. And Georgia doesn't necessarily have the playmakers in certain positions to where you can do that comfortably. Listen, I'm not saying Georgia doesn't have playmakers. It's not what I'm saying. But, I mean, it's not like you have, you know, five-star, 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 five-star guys who are 1,000-yard, 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 like where you just – it's layups and they go for touchdowns. And um, it's just – they're not built that way. And then the other thing that's going against them is that um, the media doesn't think so, right? So um, getting that media bias off of you uh, is extremely difficult. We saw it with Stetson Bennett. You can make an argument that Stetson Bennett's numbers were as good as not better. I mean, maybe they don't stack up in some areas, but what Stetson did was incredible. And for a two-year run, uh, what he did was unparalleled. And, he, you know, they they let him go as like a – he was like the sideshow. Like they, they did take him seriously. They never really – he was never really going to get that award. So uh, – but he should have. And I I will argue to your blue in the face that Stetson Bennett was a more more – uh, important to his football team than Caleb Williams was to his, but it doesn't matter. With that, <laughs> final segment, and it's it's kind of what I've been trying to debate in my head. I, it, it took me much longer to turn these out. Is college football playoff predictions? Fi- final final part of today's show is college football playoff predictions. Dan, let's go one by one, blind draft style. Um, where, where do we want to start? We want to start at one first. We want to start at four. So you name one, then I name one. Well, I don't necessarily have mine in order. I just have the four teams that I thought are going to make it. So, uh, I, I, I know yours, you know, mine. Um, so I'll just, I'll go Georgia. Georgia. Okay. I will go (laughs) Ohio state. Ooh, I'm I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. I know, I know there's, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So we we have a we have a conversation after this that we we're going to get into. Okay. So right now I have Georgia and I have Ohio State. I have Alabama. I got Texas. Yeah, and boy. This is this is interesting because I do think that their schedule is manageable. First off, I don't think Oklahoma is as good as they should be. Second, third. They took A.D. Mitchell. And, Dan, what is the one thing, one of the things that A.D. Mitchell made a name for? Scoring in big moments. Yep. And playing in big moments. So, if Texas can play complementary football with as much talent as they have on offense, I don't think it's necessarily out of the question that they can go win the Big 12 and maybe beat Alabama. I'm not saying they will. That line's going to be very close. Uh, I'm going to have to see Alabama plays in week one before I say that Texas beats them. But or that before, yeah, Texas beats them. But if Texas runs the table in the Big Twelve, and they go undefeated, there's no question in my mind that a Big Twelve team will go in the College Bowl playoffs. Now, if they lose Alabama like they did last year by one point, and then they run the table, then we have a discussion because then you have a one-loss Alabama team potentially, or one-loss Georgia team, something like that, and a one-loss Texas team, Big Twelve champion. It's going to get interesting, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit. Dan, what's next? He went way sideways in our segment. All right, so my last one is Oregon. Ooh, convince me, Dan. Give me the case that not a team not named USC makes the Pac-12. What? what how? Because uh, USC or, can't play defense. Ooh, they can't. Like they, they, like you know. I was listening to uh, ESPN Radio on the way home uh, when the AM signal went out, and I was listening on Sirius Radio, 
and they were like, um, USC starters were in the game in the second half, not because they were trying to run it up. They were in the game because they had to be because their defense could not stop San Jose State, not Florida State, San Jose State. They couldn't stop them. I mean, because the argument before the game was that, you know, that there was a chance that Caleb Williams would come out for that first drive after the third quarter, score a touchdown, which they did. They did. They came out of halftime, scored a touchdown. That should have been the end of the night for Caleb Williams, but it wasn't because they had to continue to keep scoring because they gave up 28 points to San Jose State. Listen, I know everybody's mind, they have Oregon getting boat raced by Georgia. Yes, that happened on national TV for everyone in the world to see. And Georgia was extremely impressive in that game. However, what people didn't realize is that Oregon went on to have a really damn good season in Dan Lanning's first season. And if you think that like the pinnacle of Dan Lanning's career is going to be year one, it's not going to be. I thought he made a lot of adjustments. Did he make some bad decisions? Absolutely. But go back and look at Kirby. He made bad decisions, decisions too. Hell, they still talk about the Justin Fields fake punt as probably the worst call in college football history. Chet sure. sweep on fourth and one against Vanderbilt. Is, I, I don't see it talked about as much, but it's talked about. But right. What I'm saying is, was, was Kirby perfect his first year? No. no, he was not. But listen, Dan Landing is a solid football coach. He was a great football coach while he was here. Kirby doesn't necessarily go out of his way to praise people the same way that Nick Saban doesn't necessarily go out of his way to praise people. Now, listen, if you ask him a direct question, he won't ever put anybody down. He'll say they did a great job for me, whatever. And you can always tell when they like somebody because they give a little bit of a bump, right? And Nick Saban, even like through a, a, a grimace, he will give a bump to Kirby. He will give Kirby a lot of credit for the things that they did at Alabama while he was there. And I think Kirby – uh, given the opportunity, gives Dan Landing a bump as well because I think Dan Landing was a good coach here. So I think Dan Landing, year two, listen, Bo Nix, you can make all the Bo Nix jokes you want to, and they're probably all appropriate. However, he got better as the year went on, and he was a very solid quarterback for Oregon, and he's coming back for like his 19th year. So there's a chance that he's even better this year. Um, I, I just – I think and, – and again – out in the pack, uh, pack west or whatever the hell they want to call themselves now. There's not really a lot out there, um, so I, I think I think they have a, a pretty good path to get there. Uh, and I'm not saying they're they're one of the four best teams. So we're going to have that argument in just a second. But I'm saying that they have a really easy path. The only other team that I would replace them with would be Clemson. I I, I see your case, and I I also see the other case. I look at Oregon's schedule. And, dude, it, it is tough. Like, we had this conversation, and we're, we'll save a little bit for, you know, here in a minute. Um, it's I don't think it's far-fetched to say that the Pac-12, as it currently stands, is probably the third-best conference college football between the SEC and the Big Ten. When you look at from a competitive standpoint, yes, they're probably a little bit uh, top-heavy than everybody else and the two teams above them. Um, but they have Oregon. They have Utah, they have Washington, and they have USC, if USC is good. Not to mention, I don't know the last time this happened, but Oregon State is ranked. Oregon State is number 18. Oregon State, for as long as I can remember, has kind of been not too good, like a 5-1 football team. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But Oregon State's ranked. So, yeah, I, I just think they're going to beat up on each other, Dan. Uh, and, and I don't know if the Pac-12 gets a team in this year. Now, it would be a heck of a farewell. If the college football playoff committee says, ha, 
you know, jokes on you. We're gonna put you in the play, you know, we're gonna put you in the playoffs again, right as you're about to disband. Um, but uh, it's tough, dude. That that Washington team, good football team. Oh, Utah, Utah is probably what Kentucky fans dream of. That 10, 11 11 football team that plays, you know, the really good teams well, like USC really well, even pulls the upset every other year here. Um, Utah's a good football team. Oregon's a good football team. USC, not very complimentary football, as Dan says. Uh, but or- Oregon's complimentary. So I'm not discounting it. Uh, I can definitely see there's definitely a way it happened. I just think, man, whoever's going to win that Pac-12, they're going to go through some battles. They're definitely going to go through some battles to do so. My last team, uh, and it's one that I think a lot of people are already putting in the national championship, already giving them a national championship, is Michigan. Dan, I, I don't know where you sit on Michigan. I know where your son sits on Michigan, and I'm going to bring you back into the picture here. Am I the only one that thinks Michigan's probably a win? I, I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State three times in a row. I really don't. That And that's the only reason I don't have Michigan in my final four is because I have them losing to Ohio State. Okay, so we're on the same baseline here. I just, I'm not here for the Michigan hype. If, if Everybody so, says they have the weapons now. But you know what? This this lines up perfect for the argument because now you have you have Ohio State and Michigan in the same in the playoffs. They're in the same side of the same conference. Mm-hmm. They're not opposite like Georgia and Alabama. So you have one of them losing to the other and then going undefeated otherwise, and then both in the playoffs. But then you have Alabama and Georgia who for the most part, are going to probably come out of the season undefeated, and one of them will lose to the other one in the championship game. So losing in the championship game to the number one team in the country, because whichever way you slice it, if Alabama and Georgia are undefeated, they're number one and number two, or will be. So I, that, that's the argument. is I think at the end of the season, and like that's why my Final Four prediction is kind of like Fukaka, because I think the four best teams in the the four best teams of the country are Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan. Right? I think two of them are undefeated, and I think two of them have a one loss, and the only loss they're going to have is to one another. So that uh, is a great conversation to have because do you, we want the four best teams or not? Because like you said, what if there's a scenario where Clemson runs the table, and goes undefeated? That's easily that could happen. Uh, Oregon or USC could potentially go undefeated. Uh, you know, was there a, a Big 12 team um, like Oklahoma or Texas uh, get in? But I, I really think the four best teams in the country are going to be Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. And I think, like I said, two of them are undefeated and two of them have one loss under one another. So I don't know why, and, and I'm not picking on you, I'm just saying I don't know why uh, Alabama or Ohio State and Michigan get in because neither one of them won their conference. Um, and then you have Alabama and Georgia who will both have won their division and one of the two of them didn't get in. So that doesn't hold water to me. And plus it's freaking out. Let's just say Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game. It's freaking Alabama. They're getting in. Yeah. And to me, the way I see it is I'm with you. I think Ohio State wins the conference. I think Ohio State wins the table, runs the table in the Big Ten. Uh, just the way I see it, you bring back Marvin Harrison Jr., bring back Emeka Ekbuka. Uh, quarterback's a question right now. They haven't decided their quarterback battle just yet. But as we see, that that really can't track, shouldn't detract from teams because Michigan didn't have the starting quarterback until I think two games into the season last year, and J.J. McCarthy ended up doing fine. So, yeah. Um, I think Ohio State goes undefeated, Dan. I think Michigan's going to go one loss. 
Bama, remember, Dan, in my predictions, I have Bama losing I have Bama losing the West. For for my scenario, I have Bama losing the West. Um, and I think I have LSU probably going one loss, and that's to Georgia. So that's the reason for me that I don't have Alabama in it. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting scenario of where if you have two one loss and two undefeateds. How, how does that all uh, work out here? It's definitely an interesting scenario, and I think that that could be a scenario. Say Georgia loses the SEC title game, and you're going up against maybe an undefeated ACC or an undefeated Pac-12 champion. Um, you know, it gets tough. That's where, and that's where strength of schedule could be the deciding factor in this debate. Dan, last thing, Fukaka. Never heard of that. I need some explanations. I don't know. It's like Fukakta. I don't know. It's uh, I don't even know where the hell it came from. I've just known that word for a really long time. Um, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. It's like uh, it's first like time bull- I heard you say it. It's like bullshit. Like <laughs> uh, like like a made up like made up load of bullshit. I don't know. It's like I don't. I don't even know where it comes from. Why do you put me on the spot? Fukaka. I'm sorry. I, I had to ask. I had to ask. Uh, yes, they did name Kyle McCord their starter, but they are also playing Devin Brown in that football game. They're going with a dual quarterback system, Zach, um, in that football game. And I don't know exactly what their schedule is. It may decide after that game, or they may even expl- – uh, they don't play Notre Dame until, like, I think, week four. So they may, like, prolong that out for the first three games of their season because they play Indiana, oh, Wish Kentucky – and the other somebody the else. Run, the other kid is the Brown. I think is his name. He's the running quarterback. And uh, Ryan Day said he's going to play. And he said, "How much? I don't know yet, but he's going to play." So yeah, I think it's trial by fire. And, and to to me, Dan, from my perspective, Kyle McCord is the guy that's been there the longest. Kyle McCord has been the one that people talked about replacing C.J. Stroud. And this Devin Brown dude's a sophomore. Like, and it's, it took him this long to to find a starter. That gap between them is not very, you know far at all like they are very close right. together um credit to both for for dueling it out there gonna be one to watch there guys that's gonna wrap it up for episode 98 of the top to talk podcast i'm happy uh that it is football season again happy that week one's here some meaningful football games here dan i didn't tell you about this but let's do some season predictions Dan. uh some week one predictions starting with georgia ut martin georgia ut martin georgia wins by as many as they want to Damn, no score predictions. Um, I, I mean, I don't. 40, 45 to three. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, probably the marquee matchup of the night or, or of the weekend: LSU, Florida State. These are two teams that are in playoff conversations. I've seen some people put Florida State in their playoffs. Dan, where are you sent? Where are you sitting on that one? On which one? I'm sorry. LSU, Florida State. Uh, I think. Uh, oof. See, that's tough, man. I mean, I, I know everybody's making a big deal about Mason Smith not starting or not being able to play. And, I mean, like, really one player. Um, I have LSU winning that football game, but I think that's going to be one hell of a football game. I don't know what the final score is going to be. Maybe uh, 30, 34-31 or something. I think it's just going to be a hell of a football game. I hope it is. I really hope it is because we don't get – a lot of really good games early in the season. So I hope it's a great game, and I'll definitely be watching it. Absolutely. I'm with Dan on this one. I got LSU, and I'll go right along with Dan score on that one. I think the two really good offensive football teams going at it. Going to be a great game. Sunday night game, Dan. Uh, that one's going to be fun to watch. Looking at these other games, nothing much. Uh, Penn State, West Virginia is pretty – I think everybody knows uh, who they're picking in that game. Yeah. 
I don't see anything else that that's maybe uh, intriguing to watch. Uh, yeah, nothing. So hey, yeah, I'm 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 with Dan on I'm with Dan on LSU LSU Florida State. I think it's gonna be a hell of a football game. Uh, Georgia UT Martin goes without saying. I don't know. I'm I'm looking at the line real quick. Do they have a line on this one? They do not. Uh, I was curious to see what the line is on Georgia UT Martin. That's going to be, I believe, an ESPN Plus game. So, yeah, folks, if you have cable and you're wondering where it's at on Saturday night, got to go get uh, ESPN Plus. Anyways, I'm Harris Serino. That's Dan Kiley. Episode 98 of the Top Don't Talk podcast. We'll see you back here next week. Make sure you hit the like, subscribe button. Uh, yeah, see you next week. Go dogs. <laughs>